0: You're listening to Accounting Matters, an accounting podcast powered by Embark about accounting matters, because accounting matters.
1: This is Adam Olson, Embark's accounting advisory and national practice leader, and you're listening to Accounting Matters. We're rounding out the sixth and final part of our uh, bonus episode series on the AICPA 2022 conference on current SEC and PCOB development. And I'm welcoming back to our podcast, our resident ESG, uh, I'll say specialist guru, uh, the guy that lives and breathes in this space, uh, Robbie Sundberg, who is a managing director and also our uh, national market president to kind of share his thoughts and ideas and observations from the conference itself. So Robbie, welcome back. Good to see you here. Thanks, Adam. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I know, uh, I feel like I, I, I'm i saying we're saving the best for last year, talking about ESG, but that's, that's not to say that we have the least amount to say on it because, you know, I think as you and I both observed throughout the conferences that the concept of ESG or climate-related reporting disclosures, it was really woven um, throughout the three days there and multiple sessions and, you know, just heard a lot of discussion around it, not only in the, the planned remarks, uh, during the sessions themselves, but even just mingling with folks in between sessions and at lunches at the conference, just a lot of buzz around that. But before we jump into maybe kind of recapping some of the things we heard and and uh, the thoughts that were shared, you know, maybe, Robbie, I'm asking kind of each person that, you know, attended the conference this year, just overall thoughts on the conference, you know, things you that kind of stood out to you or, uh, you know, just the, the feel for it spending three days out there with all those guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, great, great time. I guess, big, big takeaway though, if I focus on on that, um, is that there were really kind of two topics that found their way into just about every session, um, every speaker's comments. Uh, and those were really crypto and, and ESG uh, really found their way, whether the session was focused on, on those issues, um, or whether it, it found its, its way into the conversation uh, in a more ancillary way. Um, every conversation sort of, Got in that went in that direction at some point.
1: Yeah, uh, everyone everyone had a viewpoint uh, to share, whether they planned it or not. It seemed to to edge that way. So, no, I would I would definitely agree. And we, we we actually just wrapped a a special episode talking about some of the the crypto asset digital asset considerations that were discussed at the conference. So, uh, makes sense now to segue into some of the ESG and climate matters here. So, you know, like like I said, there's been a, there was a lot of discussion around ESG. I think. From the onset, it was they they kind of went ahead and just put the messaging out there. You know, obviously we got the SEC there, but there was going to be no update on the uh, the SEC's proposed rule, uh, no no direct comments on the timing of when that rule was going to be released. So I think a lot of people that maybe had come in hoping to get a little sneak peek or uh, a little like hint at uh, where things stood and and maybe when we can expect that rule weren't and didn't so. But that, that's not to say it didn't stop the conversation. You know, I think we heard a, a lot of remarks from a lot of people from the very first session um, with the commissioner talking about just some of the rulemaking around climate to, you know, Acting Chief Accountant Paul Munzer. you know, he answered ESG questions. And then, like he said, there were other sessions where we we're hearing from both investors and preparers on their perspectives around ESG and ESG reporting, despite not having updates on where things or or whatnot there was still you know a, not just focus I think even just on the the SEC's rule but really kind of they opened a broader discussion around just ESG and the mm-hmm. the implications on both an international front so I, I don't know if you felt that as well but I felt like there was definitely you know if we just think about the the progress that the international front is moving on compared to where the U.S. stands are obviously a little bit further ahead and so just the breadth of those rules and stuff And the ability for those rules to pull in uh, SEC registrants and U.S. companies alike, um, I think that was also top of mind.
0: Yeah, and I think, interestingly, you know, we heard a couple of different perspectives on some of that, too. So even starting kind of with the first session with Commissioner Pierce, I know one of the one of the concerns that she expressed uh, right off the top was the potential for kind of importing some of those global, especially European, EU um, requirements um, into the U.S. regulatory environment and, and just some concerns there um, associated with importing some of those some of those rules. Um, and so that was interesting because then on the other side, you know, other speakers, other uh, presenters uh, over the course of the um, the conference uh, on the other side of it kind of talked to the fact that the, really we, we we do have kind of regulatory forces here in the U.S. Um, we have broader stakeholder um, forces that are they're also driving um, kind of this Enhanced ESG reporting, if you will, um, but there's increasing pressure on U.S. companies for for these other uh, other regulatory requirements in other countries, specifically the EU with their CSRD and um, other initiatives there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I thought it was interesting because I think I think um, Paul Munter was was making remarks about this and and basically said that. You know, obviously, the SEC is monitoring the rulemaking that all these other standard setters are are in the progress of doing, and I think to an extent, trying to work with and learn from what those different standard setters are doing, and how that ultimately impacts, you know, the Commission's final rules. To be said, but um, I I got the sense that they're trying to find as much commonality or convergence where they can. You know, this is also on um, a related topic that we saw, which is like the IASB and the FASB talking about convergence and accounting standards. I think this is another area where regulators are looking to figure out, is there a way to make um, make the standards more or less kind of operate in tandem with each other and not have so many different subsets of rules? But yeah, I, I also think we've, we're in a space where things are moving so quickly and the, the changes and the regulations and um, you know, and they make that challenging, just given how many different initiatives that are outstanding and out there, and whether or not we can truly align on everything. So, you know, I think there's a, a lot to be said about what what will happen, and but I, I do feel like the FCC is also trying to think about how this can be cost effective for companies that may be impacted by numerous rules that are, you know, out for proposal right now.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Um.
1: So I know one thing, since it, you know, the FCC was being more or less hesitant about weighing in too heavily to maybe just to end up flipping some information that they shouldn't had. I think a, a lot of the sessions then tended to focus on other stakeholders in the process. So I know there was one panel there specifically, um, and it was led by KPMG's ESG leader, Laura um, Hodges, who... Who, who more or less had a group of preparers, so different folks that are in ESG reporting or controllership type roles at different organizations share their thoughts just on things that they think about um, as it relates to ESG reporting at their company. And, you know, I think one of the big things that stood out as part of that panel was basically for companies, registrants particularly, not to think of ESG as just like a compliance exercise, right? That There's a lot of value in ESG reporting and that companies that are viewing it as compliance and are just sitting on the sidelines waiting for any final rulemaking to come down are going to find themselves in a bad position once those final rules come out. And if they haven't started their ESG journey, they really need to be moving forward with that. Were there anything else from that panel that kind of stood out to you as good takeaways relevant for people out there if they are an organization that is thinking about ESG or maybe impacted by any of these
0: rules. Yeah, there were a few. um, And so I guess some commonality that we kind of heard across the panel. um, So one was was really the importance of cross-functional teams. Um, You know, ESG unique in the sense that um, it really does require engagement across the organization, um, input across the organization. um, And that, that takes a number of different forms, right? Input from a um, data collection perspective, um, input from a strategy perspective, potentially. Um, but then uh, also, um, as we think about just an education, them understanding kind of the purpose of, of the reporting, the purpose of um, the different regulations that are out there, what, what's, what's coming and that education element um, becomes yep. really important. Uh, so that that was one one key takeaway um, that was just a common theme. Uh, a couple of others would be from a data perspective. Data is is clearly the challenge when we think about ESG. Not th- not new to anyone who's um, who's lived in the the ESG world for for more than about an hour. Um, the ESG is ESG is driven by data. Data is the the key the key piece um, that allows the whole the whole thing to kind of go and allows. The reporting to happen, um, all your your strategies, you, you can't track them if you don't have the data to be able to to measure. And um, so, data is the the big challenge, um, especially with with global organizations. Um, gathering data is is a is a big pain point for a lot of organizations. Um, and then, kind of the the other side of that um, is kind of the process and controls uh, piece, which is another key theme. Um, and so, given all the different data sources and the cross functional teams that are involved, uh, ensuring that you have appropriate process and controls. Given that um, this currently a lot of this data is already being publicly disclosed, but in the future future state, a lot of this. Um, data is going to be disclosed in a company's 10K, right? So the, right. the level of scrutiny associated with that uh, and the level of process and controls that, that needs to be in place, um, of course, increases at that point. And so, um, so that was another another key theme is just the importance of process and controls. And that's an area where, where companies certainly cannot wait um, until, you know, the rule is sitting in front of them and um, effective and, you know, in the current year kind of a situation. And so uh, really that's one area in particular um, process and controls um, around all the data uh, that, that companies just can't wait on. And that was, that was a key theme of, of the panel.
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think those are all all great points. I think one other thing that uh, kind of stuck to me was there was also a, a little discussion just around how governance really plays a role uh-huh. as it relates to a company's overall, you know, you say ESG because governance is a component of that, but, but just as it relates to their, sustainability or their climate reporting, you know, there were discussions, I can't remember which of the, the panelists specifically, but, you know, a lot of them mentioned, um, you know, their organization set up certain steering committees that were focused on ESG, and that really helped just provide a different layer of oversight, it provided more accountability for the organization, it obviously helped enhance some of that collaboration, so you mentioned, like, cross-functional teams and the ability to do that, but just kind of facilitating the need for these different groups to work together. Um, and then, you know, I think that there's that governance um, kind of oversight, uh, you know, theme that was also tend, tended to focus on just, you know, providing some strategy around the disclosures and making sure that the the narrative that the companies are providing in their sustainability reporting, ESG reporting, or their climate reporting, once these rules are finalized, you know, it's, it's consistent and it really it really drives the message that the company wants to have across all of their kind of external communication channels.
0: One, one final point, just in terms of kind of the connection between controls and education, right? Like one of the big challenges, and we heard about this some as well, right? One of the big challenges is that a lot of the places this data is coming from, these are not groups that are used to providing data for financial reporting. Right. And so that's right. another, there's a ton of education that's needed just to help these um, these stakeholders understand how the data is going to be used and the controls that need to be in place. Because again, these are they're non-financial metrics, not not individuals that are that are used to kind of the level of rigor um, that, right. that's involved sure. with these uh, these disclosures.
1: Yeah, no, that, no, that's a great point. Yeah, just you've got people within the organization. You know, if, if it's not your core accounting, finance, reporting team that are Hearing your ESG reporting efforts, but you've got other others involved in the process is just making sure that they everyone's on the same page with the level of rigor. And, and I guess that's a good segue kind of just speaking of the level of rigor. So I know they, there was an additional session um, that really kind of focused on the need for ESG assurance and the ability or the role that, uh, you know, audit firms or others, you know, may play as it relates to providing that assurance. So. I, I think we're, you know, you hear more and more that companies are looking to have their ESG information assured and, you know, promote credibility, reliability, you know, they, you know, maybe that's what their peers are doing or their competitors are doing. And so there's a, there's a growing inclination for companies to want to do that. And then obviously the proposed rules have aspects of them that include the need for assurance on um, the reporting and those disclosures as well over time. And so I guess as it relates to ESG assurance, I think, you know, one thing I thought was interesting was that, you know, obviously the audit firms are recognizing they're going to be, you know, this is a moneymaker for them, frankly. <laughs> so great opportunity for them to, co- to continue to provide those assurance services outside of traditional financial reporting, but also over these, these different metrics and disclosures and you know, they're recognizing the need that they have to upskill their workforce to be able to understand these rules, understand these requirements. Um, And so they're making moves to do that now. So I think there's definitely a focus there. I think another thing that's kind of interesting around the assurance piece, at least, is just, you know, we've talked about at the onset that there's so many rules in play right here. So just the ability to have, um Teams or personnel at these different firms that have the knowledge to be able to apply assurance rules, like procedures and issue a report over so many various rules and, and, and different regulatory requirements. I think is is also a bit of a challenge too. It's just trying to, you know, when you, when you are upskilling until we get some more convergence there. Um, you know, firms are going to be challenged, I think, with, you know, having having a, a team or a workforce or, or a function that can, that can provide assurance across all the, you know, the possibilities of potential role-making that exists.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of the interesting things on, on that front, just from a talent perspective, right. That we, that we heard was around um, the way that that many of these audit firms, um, especially the, the big ones, right. Are, are really focused on leveraging their existing teams, uh, audit teams, and then, leveraging specialists in the various um, areas um, that, that ESG would touch on uh, and in a not dissimilar way um, from the way that they would leverage uh, specialists in any other part of their their audit process with, with tax or valuation or any other uh, specialist they would leverage on an audit.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, anything else that you want to
0: highlight from the conference on ESG? I feel like we Yeah, I mean, I I think we covered a good bit of it, obviously, at a a high level. But I think, you know, the only other perspective that we didn't really touch on was was really the investor specific perspective. Um, But I think the big takeaway there was just that, um, you know, these ESG reporting initiatives are something that investors are 100 percent behind. Right. They, too, are looking for. Reliable data um, and for comparable uh, disclosures, right? And so uh, yeah. comparability between um, entities that they're that they're evaluating uh, from an investment perspective. Um, and so, um, of course, all of these ESG reporting initiatives really uh, are important to them in order uh, to make their their evaluations and their investment decisions. And um, and so uh, that was kind of the big takeaway from from that perspective.
1: Yeah, and I guess the only other maybe comment I would make on this like in the absence of any final rules right now like there's you know i think we still kind of purport back to existing scc guidance as it relates to climate related disclosure requirements and i think can't remember which session it was in but they you know they highlighted a number of these um kind of Dear issuer letters that the scc has put out which are obviously designed to help registrants. um be mindful of areas where the SEC will likely comment, um, and you know, providing sample comments on different things of observations that they're looking for as they review filings. So, uh, just a reminder there for companies to to look back to some of that existing guidance that is here currently, not specific to the the you know the 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 breadth of the larger proposal that's outstanding, but there is existing guidance as it relates to certain climate related disclosures um, today.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. They did, they did reference a few times the 2010 interpretive guidance, um, and that that was going to continue to be a focus area, you know, even absent any kind of a a climate related disclosure rule. Um, And they even, they even kind of put up the the list of the uh, most uh, frequent topics um, for SEC comment letters. And um, I think uh, climate related um, risk disclosures um, kind of rose even into kind of around that top 10 range. So uh, definitely a focus. Yep. Awesome.
1: Well, I think that's a great spot to wrap it up. And, you know, thanks again, Robbie, for, for joining me on this final episode of our, uh, our bonus series, um, recapping the conference. Um, like I said, we've got, there's a, a lot more to follow as it relates to ESG. So we definitely encourage our listeners to pay attention, um, especially at some of these proposed rules move into final release. Um, we'll for sure be recapping um, those rules and more um, as, the, as the noise around ESG continues into 2023 and beyond. And so until then, uh, you know, wishing everyone well and, and everyone back on a future episode of The County Matters. We'll talk to you then.
0: This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series, and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant, subsequent, authoritative guidance issued.